I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. I mean, I think every woman should have a witch costume yeah. in her back pocket. Just in case. Yeah. You know? Pull that out. <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's almost as gay as Mike Pence. I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> I'm Sarah York. And today we'll be diking out with writer and comedian Amay Lepkin about loneliness. Uh, Amay performs improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade, and her amazing writing can be read on sites like Jezebel, Lifehacker, Reductress, and Oxygen. And you might also know her from her Two Dates a Week project, which is definitely what caught our attention. Yeah. Uh, Amay, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited yeah so we're we're recording this uh a little bit in advance so just to give listeners uh a sense of the time it's not even halloween yet it's right before halloween mm -hmm. i've been seeing some awesome costumes over the weekend and i just have to give a shout out to uh one of our past diking off topic guests matt uh smith mccormick uh -huh. him and his husband dressed up as marla hooch and that guy from A League of Their Own, the oh one that God. she sings to. So he's like Marla Hooch in the red dress. And then his <laughs> husband just kind of happens to look like that guy that she sings to and marries in the movie. And oh it's my God, that's amazing. The best costume. Oh, that's so it's romantic. So I have a very strong visual of that guy when he like reaches out to her on the stage yep. with longing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's great. That's one of the best uh, well, moments in movie history, in it's my opinion. One of the opinion. best movies of all time. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I had a roommate who used to say that A League of Their Own made her gay. 
And I, so I, always, I was like, yeah. I was get it, it me? Did we used to live together? Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely one of my roots. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> For Between sure. that and Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Yeah, Law and Order is the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh speaking of people with the name amay uh one of my friends that i met doing improv at ucb was the victim on law and order special victims this week oh, oh i nice. saw that nathaniel right are we allowed to name names are you yeah <laughs> nathaniel uh, no um what amay um, oh she was named after me sorry i saw somebody yeah, else yeah, who's yeah. also on law and order svu so i feel like they must have blown through with some sort of casting notice and picked everybody <laughs> up. yeah they're like you're all you're all got it you're Wait, all in. D- did he play the the homeless guy with the with the camouflage jacket well he had a the beard so about? probably yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> No, mine is a, a, a May 48, and she played, it was like um, a victim that had was been victimized multiple times and had various identities, and it kind of spoke to the Me Too movement. It was like very intense, and yeah. like for a victim role, it was very... Like, like there was a lot going it on. It was crazy meaty. and a lot going on. Yeah. yeah it, it was a meaty victim. I'm here for a meaty victim him. role. Uh, I mean, usually you're just so that like dead. Cool. <laughs> that's the victim. Right. 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 Someone finds you in Central Park and that's it. <laughs> I wish I had known before uh, she started filming so she could have told Mariska about us. Oh, my God. But, that's a long term goal. Yeah, she gets like held by Mariska Hargitay in the episode. <gasps> oh that's my god, scary. that's extreme. I actually once worked at a, yeah. at an event where Mariska Hargitay was eating, and I was like eavesdropping really hard on her table because I wanted her wisdom. And I, I actually got some. She was talking to another woman, and she was like, "When you turn thirty five, everything just gets so much easier." And I was like, "Please let that be true. <laughs> Please let that be true." So. Fingers crossed, Mariska. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, Mariska Hargitay is like the human form of one of those like weighted blankets. Oh, yeah. Like if totally. she hugged you, you would just like everything would go away mm-hmm. and you would just be able to mm-hmm. all your anxieties disappear. Yeah. I actually have another story I about her. Shot. I think everyone I know must be Ooh. fascinated by her. So I knew somebody who worked as like an extra <laughs> on set and observed Mariska getting her coffee order. And she like really grilled the person who handed it to her about whether or not they'd wash their hands. So, oh wow, <laughs> good to know. Yeah, yeah. she's got to protect That's herself. I, she's got a lot of respect. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. Uh, so I, I have two costumes this year for Halloween, mm-hmm. and one is like for a work theme type thing that, like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of excited about. But uh, the other one, I'm going as Francis McDermott's character in Three Billboards, and my wife is going to be the Three Billboards. So I'm very wow. uh, <laughs> pumped for this couple's costume. That is amazing. I can't wait to see what that actually, like, how is she doing Three Billboards? She's just going to hang Three Billboards on her. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. But I, I just want an excuse to wear coveralls around the city, which right. I don't think I need an excuse to do as a lesbian. I could just do that well, and nobody would question me. So. Right. They're all I, gay in Bushwick. I actually met a lesbian podcaster who was wearing just like that outfit. I'm like, oh, this. Yeah, that's, that's this is okay for your uniform. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 I like that idea. Um, I've also been watching more. I'm getting all my Halloween stuff out now because yeah, we didn't really I, do I don't it for do the Halloween, episodes. So Halloween. this is all you. What do you well, mean? What me, do you please. mean you don't do Halloween? I just like, I don't, I don't enjoy dressing up. I don't like. 
I don't know. I've just something about like the pomp and circumstance of Halloween is just never, it's just never, I've just never been excited about it. I find it to be like really uncomfortable. Are and, you into Halloween? Um, you know, I am, but I think that as I get older, my joy in it has waned. So maybe I'm like, yeah, I'm like I in between the two of you, I'm leaning more towards Sarah on the scale yeah, of Halloween yeah. at I, the moment. Well, I also went out on Friday and I got dressed up and I ended up like, Drinking way too much. And last night I had intended to go out and I just couldn't do it. And I was like, if I were 10 years younger, it would have been day after yeah. day of Halloween celebrations. Now yeah. I just have one night in me and then it's over. <laughs> what, what was your costume? I actually just have a witch costume that I'll wear for whatever. Oh, and yeah. Just on standby? Yeah, I bought it for like $10 at a Goodwill a really long time ago. And it's served me well, you know, for that amount of money. Yeah, I saw that, fo- I saw that photo on Twitter, actually. You looked awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've also been watching the, the Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, which I know that you won't go anywhere nope. near, Sarah, because you're afraid of scary things. Um, Anyone else? Yeah, I'm not into scary movies. I want to watch Sabrina. That just came out. That, I think, is going to be my Halloween. You know, the new Netflix, ah. Sabrina, is out. Apparently, yeah. it's yeah. like an even hornier Riverdale, which is hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I was going to say, I, I wasn't that interested in watching it because I hadn't heard good things, but that kind of sells it for me. So <laughs> yeah. maybe I will give it I'm going to give shot. it a try. The, the Haunting of Hill House, I only mention because there is oh. um, a, a lesbian character. Really? Yeah. Does she, is there so, like a sex scene? Or yeah. Does she yeah, die instantly? Yeah, she died She hasn't died yet. <laughs> she hasn't died yet, which I'm surprised because other people have, but she hasn't. I don't know so. if I can endure the terrifying nature of that show just for one lesbian scene. It's a TV yeah. show? I thought that was a movie. Has it been turned into one? No, it's on, no, uh, so, it's on so Netflix. It's right? v- yes, it's very confusing because there's a very famous scary movie that's been made a bunch of times called The House on Haunted Hill, mm. yet they call this completely unrelated show <laughs> The Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> Because they couldn't have called it any other type it's of only, house. I mean, these things only happen in, in houses that are atop a hill. I guess I don't even know if it's on a hill. That's like not even something mentioned uh, so yeah. far. So. Maybe the ghosts just stay up there because they're like, oh, I'm going to have to walk all the way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. It is spooky and there's lesbians in it. So I don't know. Uh, that's like my life. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm not into <laughs> Halloween because I'm haunted all year long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm pretty I much a romantic lesbians. demon all year long, evidently. So. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, well. I'm excited about So I binge read your Two Dates a Week blog. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Like, really, really intensely. I will admit, I skipped some of the man, the man stories. There are a lot of them. Straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a really, really, really well-written, like... Well, uh, incredible thing. Uh, May, why don't you tell all yeah, of our listeners what it, what it is, how it came about? Well, I wrote an essay for Jezebel a couple of years ago now about being alone because I hadn't dated anybody in like three years. And before and before that, it had been like another three years of very sparse dating. So it was like adding up to feeling like a long time of not being with anybody. And I got a lot of response to it, which was great. And now I'm like writing a book about loneliness, which is also great. But it made me reflect a lot on what I'd done or not done to, like, put myself in this position. I mean, ultimately, I don't think anybody's guaranteed to meet another person or love or any of that stuff. But I had not been making an effort in a long time to meet anybody. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to set myself this parameter of, like, going on two dates a week 
no matter what, no matter how I feel, because it's been so long. I'm rusty. <laughs> um, so I just sort of started to do it without telling anybody, but because I'm a writer and a narcissist, I was like, oh, I'll start, I'll start blogging about it. And it helped because it made me go on the dates more and it made me write more. So it was like the two things were feeding into each other. And it um, was something I did all last summer. And then I kind of put it aside because I wanted to try to date without, you know, writing about it. And that didn't work out that great. So then <laughs> this year I was <laughs> I was moving out of New York and I wanted to travel across the country while I was traveling to L.A. So I went to a bunch of different cities and tried to go on dates in every city. And I sort of like reawakened the blog for that purpose. And now it's kind of done, I think. Yeah. What were some of the differences you noticed in cities outside of New York? Because I feel like New York must be its own beast Oh, well, you know, it's also very different. Like when you're traveling, I try to be really clear with people. Like I'm just passing through because I don't want anyone to waste their time. So that's also why a lot of the stories are about men right now, because women don't want to meet up with you when you're just passing through. (laughs) Like they're just, they're much less likely to like risk their time on a stranger, which I completely understand. But it was frustrating because a lot of the time I was by myself. And the people who I would talk to would be these dates. So, like, by the end of the trip, I was like, I have only been talking to cis men for, like, a month. Like, I'm so sick of them. It was just, like, insane. (laughs) I got set up on one date with a woman by a friend, and she, like, bailed at the last second, which, you know, is fine. But um, the differences in the different cities. So, like, in New York, if you are dating men, there are way more women than men. So they kind of, like, have the power and the sense of who they want to pick. And a lot of the women I see on dating apps are people I know. So (laughs) like, it's like a small community (laughs) in New York of people to pick from. Um, And then in other cities I've noticed like in Austin, it's if you're a woman, you have a lot of power in terms of like finding people to date because there's a lot of young people. Um, There are fewer women there for some reason. So you have a little more power if you're like looking to find lots of partners I don't know. What kind of stuff do you think about in relation to apps that I can answer? I'm like, what did I notice? Um, how, like, so which apps are you typically using? Like Tinder, Bumble, so I'm mostly? So I'm on a bunch. I'm, like, looking at my phone now to look at all of them. So I'm on Bumble, Tinder, Her, which has very bad interface. If the makers of her are listening, yeah, to I had her for like one second a couple years ago, and I couldn't stand the way it was like. No, it doesn't make like any the sense. app itself was just like not navigable. It was terrible. No, and there are a lot of like in-app purchase issues. Like they really want you to pay just to talk to these people, and there's not a lot of text either, so you don't know a lot about the person unless they add it in. Um, and then mm. lately, I've been using this app called Field a lot, which I like because it's like for kinky sex and like. It's kind of more open to different genders, so it's not just like man, woman, (laughs) and that's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right on. Do you notice, like, um, are men outside of New York more likely to, like, reach out to you, like, to be more, like, conversational or more, like, kind of forward, I guess? Or, like, how does that generally go? Well, I'm just a visitor, so, so yeah, like, in Austin, everybody was messaging me because they're all just so hard up for ladies especially ladies that they don't already know so it was just like yeah. I could have gone on a date like every hour if I wanted to yeah then. and then in other places people are just very friendly I think culturally like I was in Canada 
and in Montreal and Toronto, mm. like people are super, super friendly. So I was on one date that just went on and on and on. And I couldn't tell if it was because the guy like didn't know how to say I need to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone just polites each other to death there. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> very funny. How do you feel about as far as like online communication, if someone messages you with like if they just say like hey, is that something that you respond to? Oh, yeah. Or I love the like hey. what what do I you feel like is the hey really? back. Yeah. Oh, I hate the hey. I love the hey. I hate it when people like send me something that's clearly copy pasted that they use as their like jokey like oh opening. yeah, yeah. like a, here's my funny thing. Yeah, here's my funny thing <laughs> I came up with. Here's or like a question that's you know, you feel like you're on a game show. Like I had one guy who was just like, <laughs> What do you like better? Hummus, hummus or guacamole? I know that sounds like so petty for me to be annoyed, but it just feels like this is something you ask everybody and you're clearly going to judge me by the answer. So I was just like, I mix, yeah. Yeah, I mix them together. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he's like you're crazy. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Another thing I hate is when people write stuff like extra points for, you know, being into dogs. It's like points. Where the hell am I going to turn those in? <laughs> <laughs> is this like a Dave and Buster's? Yeah. Like, do I get a do I get a strobe light at the end of this experience for all these points? Well, then I would do it. <laughs> yeah. The like, apparently, what I get to turn in is I get to serve you sexually. Like, lucky me. <laughs> uh, I I feel like those like clever but not clever opener mm. lines are just guys who used to watch that show the pickup artist where he would tell guys to like walk up to women and be like do you believe in spells <laughs> oh jesus fuck off yeah fuck the off the kind of guys that lead with hello m'lady uh, yeah God. like yeah if i believed in spells i would have cast a protection yeah. one again <laughs> over myself I've been against this guys entire like bar, you. So yeah no. so even though hey seems like not very much work i feel like they're just respectfully like indicating an interest and then you can go yeah, from there that's and true build a conversation like it doesn't bother me at all Okay. I as, guess I didn't as really someone who's never way. done online dating, I think oh my God. I think so I would nice. appreciate a hey. She's never done any form of online dating ever. I, I have been on more. I, I shit you not. I think I've been on forty first dates from like in the in the like three or four years that I used. What did you uh, use most? Primarily, Tinder? um, primarily OkCupid. Oh, really? <laughs> this was like in this was like around two thousand like eleven to fifteen. Basically, fun. Uh, so I feel like OK Cupid was like more like that was a little more popular at that. Time. I don't even know if it's still is it like still a thing. I think it depends on where you are. In New York is a thing. In LA, it's like a ghost town. It's like worse than Craigslist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. But I do think that people use OK Cupid when they're more into talking about stuff, and you know they're like looking for more of an emotional yeah. connection. I think on OK Cupid. Yeah, but that's not what I'm. I'm all about these days, I don't think. No? Uh, no, not at all. I just, so I am um, doing this new thing where I'm actually going to be single for more than five minutes. Oh. Don't hold your breath. Are you, <laughs> are you a perpetual relationship person? Yeah. I, I don't understand. I'm a perpetual dater of people. Where does that come like, from? Because I find it really hard. I don't know. I find it very hard to connect with people on a level where I want to spend that much time and energy on them. So, like, what is happening for you that you immediately are like willing to go all in like it just happens that way it's like it's not even about like i i mean i've been in monogamous relationships but i'm kind of like trying to figure out if that's even right for me which is kind of i think what led to the anxiety that i 
used as an excuse to torpedo my last relationship about a week ago. So um, I don't know. I'm just like it. I think some of it is that I feel like I need attention and that is the easiest way for me to get it is to just like meet someone and like date them. But my problem is that I don't, I'm not like very clear about like my intentions or my feelings because I don't even know how I'm feeling. And then I just let things kind of go on that like really fast, like, you know, second date U-Haul kind of situation. And then it blows up and then I just feel like a fucking asshole. Oh. So that's like so are you what, the, what I do. You're the person and who it, ends the relationship usually? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like it's you're a terrible. heartbreaker. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like that's my new, th- I'm just like, why, what, what is this? Like I need to figure out some other way to like feel better about myself that isn't just attention from women, honestly. Like that is quite literally, it sounds so fucking pathetic, but like that's, that's, what it is. No. Well, do stand up comedy and then you thrive <laughs> off attention from strangers. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> sure. That's a good I don't know. I just need off. to like chill. So that's what I'm, that's my winter goal is to just like relax and actually good. be okay with, with being single, which is something I've never been okay with. And that's like a, pro- that's like a me problem. Yeah. That's not anyone else's problem. So, well, falling in love is so addictive. It's so fun and exciting and it gives you all these like rushes of, fun chemicals to your brain it's yeah great. it does yeah i'm just gonna start doing cocaine instead of dating oh, i love cocaine <laughs> i know i mean i i really do too but like it's it's too expensive it's too expensive and it's really bad for you in every way <laughs> yeah but it does feel a lot like being in love for any listeners out there it who have never does. tried cocaine that's what it feels yeah like. <laughs> i highly recommend it <laughs> that's terrible um, I, oh, I did really bad. Uh, are we allowed to talk about drugs on, on, I guess I already did, but can we keep going? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like went on a, so I went on a date on Friday with somebody in my witch costume and then went to a Halloween party, but at the Halloween party, he kind of like bailed. Like I think sometimes men get weirdly hostile at the end of dates. if They're not getting what they want. Right. So I was like, okay, bye. Yeah. And then I ended up doing Molly and having like a threesome at the house. And I just kept thinking. If he had stayed, he probably would have got to have group sex. <laughs> right. Yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> Men just aren't patient. I know. There's no long game with them. No, they are very bad with strategy, which I think is the yeah. shame. <laughs> you know, uh, I think also, like, generally people are bad at strategy because they have these very intense emotional reactions. Like, I think ghosting is a really bad strategy. Like, not only is it, like, mean and horrible, it's also, like, setting yeah. yourself up in a way where you can never go back. And, like, if you were to just write right. somebody yeah. a nice message, like, look, I'm just not feeling this right now or I can't do this right now, but I wish you all the best, they'd probably be like, okay. And then if six months later you're like, I'm horny, I'm going to message this person, <laughs> they would yeah. be able yeah. to, in a dignified manner, take you back right. and sleep with you. Right. But it's like... But ghosting... <laughs> no. I, I mean, I can't imagine ghosting a person, first of all, but then having, like, the audacity to reach back out but to But they them always as do. Though- <laughs> That that's what happened to my mom. My mind. Like, that's that what is... happened to my mom. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah this mom. guy ghost- ghosted. This guy ghosted my mom, and then like they were supposed to go on a on a date, and it was like her first time venturing into online dating, and they'd been talking on the phone for weeks, oh, no. and then uh, he was supposed to follow up with her about like where the reservations were, and just like never called her, never texted, didn't explain anything, and then like two weeks later randomly left her a message that was like, oh, I think we just like 
were looking for different things. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, we didn't even talk about this and we were just going to go get dinner. And then you just didn't say anything. What What's up with that? So then he was like, I'm really sorry. Let me make it up to you. Let's go to dinner. And she's like, no, let's just get coffee. And then he ghosted her again yeah. with the coffee date. But you see, that to and me like, is like what? a scenario. I think this is really common. If you've never met anybody and they are investing a lot of energy into talking to you before you've even met, I feel like that's a warning sign. Because it to yeah. me, it's like they are creating a fantasy for themselves and you don't know what that that fantasy is. But it really doesn't have to do yeah. with you at all. So the fact that he like disappeared yeah. on her is not surprising to me at all. He probably just wants to be like the attention of a woman, the time of a woman invested in him, and this dream yeah. of like a relationship. But the work of a relationship and the hard stuff he wants to skip. So he's never going to meet her, yeah. obviously. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I no. see that all the time. <laughs> if anybody ever messages me and they're like talking about a second date before we've even had a first date, I'm like, you are, <laughs> you are not nah. for real. <laughs> You're fucking money. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about, um, like a lot of our listeners are using online dating like platforms and stuff. What's your, like, I used to operate under like a maximum four message exchange before we would like make the, like the plan, you know, the plan to actually meet and rather than doing what you said, what you just talked about of having this like extensive, you know, communication. Like I feel like kind of, it, it should be, you know, a few messages, get to the point, meet up for a date, and that's Well, that. I think people usually reveal pretty fast if you're not going to be able to even get through a date with them, you know? So yeah. So if within the first four or five minutes of conversation they seem normal and I think they're cute and they haven't said anything crazy, then I'm willing to meet them in person, <laughs> which I know sounds yeah. like a really low bar, but actually a remarkable number of people don't get over it. <laughs> like a lot of people will say or do something that you're like, oh, no, I can't. Yeah. Um, and if someone wants to just keep chatting without asking me on a date, like, or they will not set up a plan with me, I'm pretty aggressive about mm-hmm. asking people out because I just want to meet them and figure out if there's a spark. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a bad sign. And I know a lot of people do that. Like, they'll have long conversations on the phone or FaceTime or whatever. And I just don't care about any of that. Like, yeah. I just want to meet you in person and see. Yeah. So is your book, um, specifically an extension of the two dates a week or like how much of that are you kind of incorporating into if you can talk about yeah that, I think you, I can talk about that to. so the book is um more going to be about cultural loneliness and how mm-hmm. it's affecting people in a broader way but kind of hung on the memoir of rediscovering dating and sex and love for myself um so it's like a memoir but it's supposed to be reported out and have like actual facts and figures in it that kind of support my thesis about loneliness. Cause I think we have a tendency right now to pathologize loneliness. Like we treat it like it's a disease, like it's something that you can catch and it's being recognized now as an epidemic, which is, you know, it hasn't been established whether that's the healthiest way to approach it or not. Um, so that's sort of what I'm investigating mm-hmm. in the book, but also, yeah, talking about dating and my own experience of like coming back into the dating world Mm -hmm. very aggressively (laughs) in the last couple of years. Yeah. Is it loneliness both in terms of like romantic relationships, but also in this world where all of our connections are like on social media and just not as much like face to face, meaningful interactions? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm I'm talking about being single. So it's definitely romance, romantic love and, and the loneliness of not having that as a part of the book. But I think you can be lonely within a relationship. Like you can be, Lonely because yeah. you're physically isolated. 
Uh, you can be lonely because your expectations of what you thought a romantic relationship would be are not what they are actually capable of giving you. Um, and I just want to kind of talk about all the ways that we're like sold to heal this problem. Like, I think there's a lot of focus on like personal development and wellness and like loving yourself, but it's often like filtered through this capitalist response of like buying more things or doing more things or being popular on Instagram or whatever it is like that's supposed to fill this void, uh, that we have, um, So, yeah, it's like about all the different ways that we experience loneliness in this life. But because for me, it was this loneliness of never having somebody in my life romantically or having a partner and having to explain to people what that feels like. It's kind of the initial spark. Because when I was, you know, after six years of like not really being with anybody, I really felt like I would never be with anyone again. And yeah, that's proven not to be true in the sense that I've had sex again, which is great. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I still haven't like met anybody that I really want to be with or who wants to be with me. Um, so. So I was like at a point where it was very hard to articulate what my life was like, because I'm just like thinking like, well, maybe I'm going to be by myself forever. And that yeah. doesn't have to be terrible, but it's really hard to, to talk about it because people object immediately. Like they don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe yeah. they want to be by themselves forever. Um, so there's no language of loneliness, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because I guess not too many people vocalize that. I mean, I read your Jezebel article, which I thought was great because it is something that, that people don't talk about and that, um, you know, we all have um, friends or even ourselves who've been, you know, you, there are a lot of people who go a long time uh, being single and, they're always viewed as like, oh, they just like need to keep trying or something. But it's never like just leave them alone and let them, yeah. you know, <laughs> like stop making it seem like that absence is like this huge hole in their life. And it's a way that we don't do that with mm. with other things. It's just like this weird standard that, you know, it's like, oh, obviously everybody wants to be in a relationship. And, and even when I was younger, I had this friend who was – seeing this woman for, for a while and now they are finally married, but he was like, I kind of like being alone. She's really awesome. And I like her a lot, but I kind of really just like being alone and kind of Mm -hmm. (laughs) always thought I would just be alone for a while and then wasn't sure if he was ready to, to give that up. And I just thought like, Oh, you're afraid of commitment, but it wasn't even that, you know, it doesn't have to be a fear of commitment. Yeah. Um, some people just don't want it. Like I've, I'm literally right now going through this internal process of like actually figuring out if I, do I want to be in a relationship for a long period of time? And I think it's kind of seeming, the answer to me is sort of coming clear as, as no. And I think that that's fine. You know, like I've, I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with it because it's like everything is constantly telling us that like, a relationship is this like bridge to happiness, but what if it isn't for some people? And like, that's fine. Right. Cause I, but I feel like it's hard to explain that to people who are in committed relationships because they can't, po- most people can't possibly see how that can even be a thing. Right. So I don't know. Do you, do you find it like when you're talking to your friends about, you know, your life in general or about the concept of loneliness, do you think like, how do your single friends how receptive are they versus friends who are in a committed partnership 
Is there like a clear difference between the way that they approach it too? Uh, well, I think my single friends understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about how there's no language for our experience because, mm-hmm. because if I say, <clears throat> you know, I think there's this pressure on single people to say that they're really happy all the time in a way because, yeah. because if like you're not happy and you're single, people say, okay, well you need to be in a relationship or like, Oh, yeah. what's your feminism doing for you now? Keeping you from having a relationship, <laughs> independent woman, blah, blah, blah. Um, you shouldn't have set your bra on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why'd you focus on your career now? Um, whereas if you're in a marriage or a relationship, it's like kind of normal to be like, oh, we're going through a rough patch or whatever. Like, it's just kind of generally more accepted yeah. to have multiple feelings about your relationship status. Whereas like being single, yeah. like, you have to either be really like gung-ho about it all the time or be desperately searching for somebody to end your horrible you know singleness (laughs) yeah that's so true but actually being single it's like there are a lot of things about it that i genuinely think are awesome and great and i wouldn't be the person i am if i'd been with someone else for the last six years but there are times when it would be really nice to have someone to like buy me soup when i'm sick or like hang out with me in an afternoon when everyone else is busy or just like have sex without having to go through all the effort of going on a date and like making sure this person's cool and like whatever um i feel both things about it so that is something I think other single people understand is like this difficulty of articulating the, both the joys and the sorrows of being single without condemning it as a state of being because it's not terrible. It's just complicated mm-hmm. the same way as being in a relationship is. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Yeah, I think... A lot of people don't really think about it that way, but it, I like what you have to say about it, about or the like comparing it to relationships going through rough patches, but nobody thinks about being single that way. I think that's very true. I don't know. I, I feel like our, yeah, our relationships with loneliness or feelings of loneliness. I mean, there's a difference between being single and being lonely, right? And I mean, when I think to times back the few times that I've been single because I'm also a serial monogamist <laughs> and uh but but when I get out of a long-term relationship I'll be like all right I 
you know, don't want to jump into anything else. I want to just be on my own, spend time on me. And then... And then you get married a year later? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> that, that, and <laughs> you're not kidding. You don't have to say I'm JK. Not <laughs> uh, but, but then uh, I, I just remember like when I was younger, as soon as like any feelings of loneliness set in, I'd go into like this full panic of like, I'm going to die alone. Nobody's ever going to love me. Um, and then I would like kind of scramble and like try to, you know, go out to bars, try to meet women and stuff. And there'd be Ugh. like not only zero interest in me, but like <laughs> negative interest in me. <laughs> like I would try so hard to like get a date without online dating and found it nearly impossible. It is so, and then, it's so fucking hard to meet people organically. Uh, like yeah. it tr- I really feel that way. Like I my ex of like two years that I broke up with recently, we happened to meet organically, but every other person I've ever dated, I've met through some sort of, whether it's like Twitter or, you know, like some sort of electronic format. I just like, I, I have a hard time believing I will ever meet someone organically like ever again. It's just like, it's so weird out there. I don't know. It is really hard to believe. It's weird in LA. I feel like I have more hope of meeting somebody organically just because, um, People are very flaky online, and I found that when I go out to bars or parties, they'll be very talkative. Like, I've managed to, like, yeah. meet people in person in a different way here, but I also haven't been working that hard at it. I think I, like, got here, and I was like, all right, just take a break. And also, just to get into astrology, which, of course, we should. Right now, Venus is in, re- yeah. Venus is in retrograde, so, like, nothing's going to get started. <laughs> <laughs> Not until yeah. November, so i got to give it a little time. That's um, valid. <laughs> Yeah, the singleness versus loneliness. Well, loneliness is also like kind of a biological reaction that we have that's built into our brains. It's like a real thing that you're experiencing based on your brain chemicals. It's like a way of like driving us back into the herd to protect us because it's kind of dangerous to Mm -hmm. be isolated and separated. Of course, like that's changed since early times of man, but it can become overactivated and like give you these crazy feelings that you're never going to recover or get away. It's like a way of forcing you to go to that party and be the awkward girl who no one wants to talk to. (laughs) It's like trying to get you you back into uh, humanity again. So it's kind of interesting to think of it that way. Like I always thought of loneliness as like a spiritual thing, you know, like this higher experience, but it's actually very much embedded in like our lizard brain. That's just saying. Yeah. Go back. Go back. <laughs> yeah. Talk to a person quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and, and because it's coded as such a such a negative thing that I I mean again at least for me it would throw me into a panic as soon as I felt it you know yeah. and any time in my life and I. I wouldn't even say I have, maybe I do, maybe I'm just very not self-aware, but I never felt like I had a fear mm-hmm. of loneliness. But then once I felt it, then all of a sudden I would spiral and be like, this is bad. I got to fix it. This is a problem right. rather than kind of being chill about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to just sit with that feeling. It's very hard because it feels like so all encompassing, like you're never going to escape it. But it's like being in love. Like it just comes and goes. Like you <laughs> you experience that yeah. emotion yeah. and it'll pass and it doesn't have to be something we panic about. And I think a lot of people end up in relationships because they're panicked and they're bad relationships and bad for them. Um, yeah. So if anything, I would tell people to like sit with it a little longer or like find ways out of it that don't involve another human. In a romantic sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, because I mean, fear of loneliness is a reason that a lot of people stay in relationships they shouldn't be in. Right. That they're, you know, afraid that. Um, That's like literally the reason that people settle, I think. And se- there's like nothing more terrifying to me than the concept of like settling oh, me. into me something. Me too. God, I would hate to be like, with someone. Like I literally. It's so scary. That you're just like, eh. Yeah, just for the sake of being with a person, I like I probably I know a lot of people who I am positive are in like marriages because of that and that's just like that scares me more than the idea of being like the single crazy aunt for the rest of my life. Like I do not I would pick the latter in a heartbeat over over settling. So, ugh, I don't know. That's like that gives me ch- that's spooky in Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because especially as you get older, you know, you're it depends on your safety net, right? Like if you don't have any money, um, if you don't yeah. have independence or a place to go live, especially in a city like New York, like I've witnessed this where it's like people stay together because of the rent. Like they stay together for all sorts yeah. of really practical reasons, and that's frightening to yeah. me. Like I want to have that independence so I can make choices. You know? Yeah. What's the difference and uh, the biggest difference between L.A. and New York as far as like dating is concerned or just like socialization in general? I think people are really flaky and they go to bed early and um, they, (laughs) you know, like it's a big city. So you kind of want to date somebody who's nearby you. Uh, And I find the dating apps just aren't as popular. People don't use them as much. Like, I think the answer is that I need to go to more parties and go out to bars and stuff and talk to people in real life. And I'm just like, I don't know if I have the energy for it right now. (laughs) I think I'm also in a place where I just, like, need to stop dating because I've been doing it so much. And, like, it's gotten very easy to go on a first date. Like, it doesn't stress me out at all. But, like, the the idea of, like, persistently seeing the same person does. So I think I need, like, some space for the daily, daily grind of dating apps and everything. I don't know. Yeah. Well. What I hear from other friends of mine that live in L.A., they do feel like it's a lot easier to feel lonely in L.A. because to um, go out, it's it's a lot more effort. Like New York, you have to go out. Like you have to be around people. There's no way, mm-hmm. almost no way to avoid people in New York where L.A., if you want to avoid people, you can. You just work from home. And don't leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. I happen to right now be in a sublet in a very pretty neighborhood. So like I go on a lot of long walks. That helps me clear my head and feel like I'm out in the world. Yeah. But like in terms of running into people, I have to go to – well, it's so funny because it's so much residential space. And then there will just be like areas where there's all the like bars and coffee shops and like one street and then a bunch of residential space. Mm-hmm. So I do run into people a lot when I go to these like little strips of activity. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. But if I avoid them, yeah, I won't see anyone. I'll go for like an hour and a half long walk and pass two people walking a dog and like that's it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> I'm moving. I'm <laughs> I'm moving in a couple of weeks uh, back to Bushwick yeah. into my ex's neighborhood and it's really weird. Are you afraid like you're my- going to run into her? Yeah, I think, yeah, totally, because it's just going to be so fucking awkward. So I think I need to reach out and just be like, hey, I'm moving 
you know, into your neighborhood. Like, let's just be friends. So it's not weird if I run into you in the grocery store that I'm positive you go to, oh, you know, does it feel like you're ready weird, like, to be friends? I'm going to advise against that. No, yeah. I, well, I mean, <laughs> don't be friends. friends. I don't really believe in being friends with exes. I know. I was least, surprised you just said that. Yeah. No, at the very, there's like no word for it though. Like the thing that I want to be is like, I guess like comfortable acquaintances. Like I just want to be at the point where I'm not like, Oh shit. Am I? Cause I don't want to have that anxiety of like every time I leave my house, like, Am I going to fucking run into her and it's going to be weird? You've never been friends with an you know? ex? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, wow. No. That's a lot. I mean, people that I casually dated, I'm friends with like a ton of them, but not like actual relationship exes. No. I mean, my, my ex-wife lives in my neighborhood and I've run into her a total of one time. Yeah. So it's not like I know, New York I just feel like Bushwick is a weird place where people run, where you see the same people all the time, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's own, it's, its own little world. Well, you kind of blend in. Yeah, I Just totally kidding. blend in. Six foot tall woman. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. The saga will continue, I'm sure. But ugh. so we get we get emails from a lot of our uh, listeners who are queer women that live in um, like parts of the country where they feel like there's not much community and that it's really like the dating pool is small and the feeling of loneliness is real and daunting for them. Do you have advice for them? I don't know. Oh my yeah, God. Like, I, 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 I don't know really what to tell them because it's like I, I live in New York or I've always lived in uh, big cities for the most part. Yeah, that's um, really big enough that I want to have an answer. You know, I want to like be able to say something that isn't condescending. But I also have always really hated getting advice on what to do about my own loneliness, my own singleness. And I have lived sure. in New York my whole life and I still have this problem. So it's not like I have um, a million solutions, but... I would say that for me, when I feel most lonely and most single, I don't think dating necessarily is what alleviates the issue. I think it helps to put myself out there and not like completely give up and to keep practicing because you want to be ready if you do meet someone and not like completely unsocialized and weird. <laughs> you should be going on yeah. dates yeah. as practice. But I think like filling your life with other things that are meaningful to you is really the only way to lift it. Yeah. Because what I sort of discovered through all this dating was that I was like working on myself because I was creating this illusion that I was looking for a person. Right. But I, it wasn't really that I was like working on myself for myself. And I felt better at the end of the day because I was like taking care of my own needs and like finding things that mattered to me um, that made life worthwhile. Cause you can meet someone and like the feeling of being in love is so ecstatic and so fun. And it feels like it's the only thing out there, but like, if you're putting all of yourself into another person, you're going to end up emptier than ever. You know, it's just, you, yeah. you need to have your own like well of interests and excitement and character because otherwise you're just going to be hollow no matter who you are with. Yeah. yeah. But it is very hard when you're out there and isolate. I mean, move. <laughs> like that's terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. You know, if you really want I always to- feel bad when people, people say that because I'm like, oh, just fucking go to a better city. I don't know. But I know that's like not an option. That's <laughs> not for an option every, for everyone. Not everyone can come but to New York. But it's also true yeah. that like so many people are isolated by distance, by by disabilities, by all sorts of like things that yeah. can make it really hard for them to meet people. And uh, there should be more options and things for them to do. But it's like very hard to say what your small town should do to help you or what you can do in that tiny town where there's no other queer people. That's really rough. Mm-hmm. And I would say like the internet is a good place to turn because 
Yeah. In that case, there's so many like smaller groups, people who have similar interests, other queer people who you can talk to and communicate with and travel to meet in some <laughs> middle of the road place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the the, the queer people are there in these towns. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, it's just like not is obvious but Ugh. and i don't know what do i know about anything yeah. but I would, I, I, I would think if you're if you're living in a small town and other people live in that small town like there must be enough that the two of you have in common that you're you know right. that right. that's keeping you there so yeah the pool is probably like way smaller but you know the the chances of Finding someone that you yeah. gel with are probably just as good as anywhere. <laughs> I don't know. You know, in New York, it's like ninety I mean, percent psychos. So. I and mean, I know what it's like to have that like lack of option. I went. I when I came out, I was in college, and I was in a town of like ten thousand people, like this tiny little town in Northwest Missouri, and there was like one other woman who was like a known lesbian. And she was so annoying, but I like still like forced myself to have like a crush on her. And I think we like made out one time and it was just like not, I just, everything about her personality, we just like did not get along. We were like two magnets that just like would resist each other, but we just like, there was no other option and that was like the worst feeling. So just try to put, if you can put yourself in a position to be around literally just a higher number of people and that might help. But yeah, I, I distinctly remember what that was like to be out in a small town and it fucking sucks. That's awful. (laughs) Yeah. But it's also hard to meet people everywhere. Like it just feels really hard. uh, But at least, you know, in New York I was able to get laid. So that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to like, yeah, that's never a problem, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't want to diminish anyone's struggles in a small town because like, even right, if you don't find right. love, you're more likely to find sex partners, which can help. Really yeah. takes the edge off, I'll say. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do the listener letter? Yeah, let's right. go. Let, let's move to our listener question, uh, which is kind of on topic. So uh, I'm 20 years old and recently started meeting people from Tinder. I met with this girl a few days ago and it went horrible, <gasps> all caps. I suffer from social anxiety and I'd been getting better or so I thought I'd been, which is why I thought I was comfortable enough with meeting her. Silly me. I was too nervous the whole date and she was, uh, and it was noticeable because she kept bringing it up that I wouldn't look at her in the eyes. She was beautiful. I was panicking. So yeah, (laughs) she left me sitting on the park bench because she said she wasn't feeling my energy. Ooh, energy is very important. Yikes queer lady relationship uh then she blocked me on social media which hurt me a lot okay i don't know what to do because i find myself going to text her to ask for another chance but my anxiety and i don't want to come off uh, as being a weirdo who can't back off but i was really into her and it hurts that it ended that way uh kind of traumatized from it all advice please that's rough do not text do not text Uh, (laughs) i'm sorry yeah do not don't reach out (laughs) i yeah i don't I, you know, I know it. I remember being like 20 years old and like when you're that young, everything feels so epic. Like I know we've said that here before. Yeah. Not that like, I'm not trying to, to in any way diminish this situation because of your age, but like it, sometimes something seems like it should happen or it's a good thing when it is very clearly not. And in this case, I think you have your answer. Like, I think it's just like, you got to cut your losses. Yeah. 
and and move on. That's what I would I do. I think this needs to be one of those things. It's just about experience, you know? I, I yeah. Social anxiety yeah. is so hard because I have been on dates with people who clearly were just insanely nervous. And it was hard because I felt a lot of, like, sympathy for them and compassion for what they were going through. But also, like, I need to be on a date with someone who can look me in the eye and, like, who can talk to me. Yeah. And I think the only way to be that person is through practice. And um, it sucks that, like, you went out with someone you were really into – before you were quite ready to like do the things they needed to connect with you. Yeah. And I think like the answer is to go on more dates with people you are not that psyched about, which I know sounds stupid, but it's like, it's like practice. It's like a bad pancake you feed to the dog. You have to go, on all these these bad pancake dates before you make the right stack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. But I think, you know, don't give up because the more you retreat, the more you're going to build up anxieties for yourself about it. And also just from people that, I know in life, like who have a lot of anxiety uh, and again, easier said than done, but sometimes just meeting people as friends first helps because the like dating puts this whole other kind of pressure that if you already have regular social anxiety without those kind of expectations that making it a date makes it actually worse. So I know people who like are more focused on meeting friends and then if something clicks and there's an attraction then yeah. you know, then it's a lot easier there. for them to to make the jump. And if you ask someone that you already know on a date and they know that this is how you are, they might not judge you <laughs> so hard for whatever energy you're bringing to that date. I mean, I know my uh, my ex-wife was so awkward on our first date and had I not been friends with her first, I would have never gone on a second date with her. She was so nervous and so awkward mm-hmm. the entire time that I would have just thought it was a a disaster had right. I not known any better. Yeah. But I, you know, because we were friends, I was able to to keep an open mind to it and know that that was probably just just how she is. Oh, yeah, yeah just how yeah. she is and just, you know, first date jitters. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's good to approach first dates in general as like a friend meetup. Like you're just trying to get to know the person. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's yeah. like, instead of thinking of it as like a lifelong appointment, like <laughs> you're just going yeah. to see yeah. if you guys have enough similar topics to talk about, you know, just right. try to like think of it as a friend thing, even if we, you know, both know that there's romance in the air or like an intention towards romance. This is the best way to get to know somebody. I don't know. Yeah. For sure. So when is your book coming out? It should be out in um, 2019 or like maybe right in January after. It hasn't been established. I don't know if I'm even allowed to like talk about that actually. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, we're being vague enough, I think. Well, we're excited about (laughs) it, I think. All right. Well, keep... Uh, listeners, keep an eye out for Amaze Book. And then where can people follow you on social media or anything else you want to plug? Um, they can follow me on Twitter at A. Lutkin. Um, and that's probably the best place to keep up with me. And you can also follow my Tumblr. It's two dates a week.tumblr.com. It's a two is a numeral, a number, numeral. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> And yeah, I love Twitter for talking to people. Twitter's awesome. Jump on there. Nice. I know. It's really fun. Mm. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming coming on. And uh, for any of our listeners who want to follow us online, we're at Diking Out. Send us your questions about your bad Tinder dates or being (laughs) lonely or anything else you want to talk about. Dikingout at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. And we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right. bye. Bye. 
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.